0: We're studying the fruit of the Spirit this fall, as you might have picked up on. We've already covered love, joy, peace. Last weekend, we learned about patience. And after patience, Paul includes the fruit of kindness immediately after patience. Now, at first, I didn't catch the significance of this. But if you've ever read the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul defines love by saying, first, love is patient, and second, love is kind. He puts them right next to each other. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. In defining love, Paul places patience and kindness next to one another. They go together. Patience is love anticipated and held in like a reserved posture, while kindness is love in action and held in a forward posture. For example, it takes patience to allow someone to walk through a door before you, but it takes kindness to do something else, which is to take the initiative and hold the door open for other people to walk through. Kindness is being thoughtful for others more than yourself. Kindness is tenderly doing for others what you would want done for you, or in Jesus' words, the golden rule. Christopher Wright said, Real kindness usually costs something and doesn't expect a reward. Hello, my name is Drew, and uh, I'm not a kind person. I know this is like a safe place to not be okay and just not lie about it. Uh, I want to be a kind person, but by my nature, I'm, I'm not, if you know Enneagram, I'm an eight, like the challenger. If you know Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTJ. It is not in my nature to be kind. And uh, I, I don't like that. I want to be kind. And I've kind of had to come to the grips that, you know, it's not natural for me, which means I need God's grace to be strong in my weakness. Now, here's the good news if you identify with me here. This, there's actually a really easy secret to all this stuff. And there's, um, it's not that difficult. Um, there's nothing you can do to like muster up any of these fruits. Uh, I'm sure you could like, white-knuckle it for a while and try really hard, but it just wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't last. And you'd be doing what the Bible calls striving. And so seriously, not to oversimplify, but it really comes down to just maintaining a posture of surrender before God asking him to pour out more of his Holy Spirit on you and in you. And when you give the Spirit control of your life, your thoughts, your feelings, actions, your agenda, what happens is over time, his Spirit takes up more residence and real estate in your life. And the result is, at the end of the day, more of his nature is produced inside of you and you have fruit, like kindness. So if you need kindness in your life, I welcome you to join me in line, get behind me, I'm first in line, and we're just all gonna come to God and surrender together and say, come Holy Spirit, we need more of your your kindness. Now, for parents, this is a touchy one. Our kids are always watching us. They're always watching how we act and speak with others. Our children often are a mirror in which we are given to glimpse of how we seek or don't seek to live in kindness. Do you notice that your children are rough with others? Do they struggle with sharing with others? Are your kids quick to be unkind to others? Some of that is just the nature of the fall, but some of that could be a reflection of what we've modeled to them. Let us be quick to reflect on our own relationship with kindness this week. After all, our kids are little reflections of us sometimes. How do you and how often do you show kindness to your spouse? How do you show kindness to friends and neighbors? How kind are you to the waiter or waitress that's serving you and your family? They're watching. I know I was when I was a kid. This week, take time to reflect on your relationship with kindness. Then, make sure to point out when your kids show kindness throughout the day. Show pleasure in the kindness of your children as our Lord shows pleasure in us when we do so as well. What is kindness? Now, the word for kindness in the Hebrew is a beautiful word. It's the word hesed, and I mispronounced that because I don't have a lot of flum in my throat right now, but you would say that like hesed or something like that. It's a beautiful and complex word. It's often translated into many different English words, and so, for example, you might come across the word in the Old Testament, mercy or love, and if you dug a little bit deeper, you'd find that the original word is hesed, the same word for kindness, my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's Psalms 23. Did you see kindness anywhere? No, you didn't see the word kindness, but you saw it all throughout there. You saw David describing a kind shepherd, protecting, providing for, and taking care of his sheep. And at the very end, He did say kindness. He just said it in Hebrew. He said, surely goodness and hesed will follow me all the days of my life. And that word hesed there is often translated mercy, but you could also translate it loving kindness. Another example of this is when David wrote, uh, I think it was David wrote 136, Psalms 136. Um, You'd see this a lot. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love or his mercy or his hesed or his kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love or his loving kindness or his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his steadfast love, his hesed, his mercy, his kindness or his loving kindness endures forever. This whole chapter is about a giant refrain for the hesed, the mercy, the kindness, the loving kindness of God. We see kindness or hesed show up in the great requirement of Micah 6.8 as well. Now, we have the great commandments to love God, to love neighbor, the first two, and then we have the great commission to go to all nations, uh, make Baptize, teach the ways of Jesus, that's the Great Commission. And, and a lot of times, Christians can focus on those two, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, because you know those are in the Gospels. But in the Old Testament, we have the Great Requirement, Micah 6.8. It says, He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, or to love hesed, some translations say love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, there's a lot of talk of justice these days. For good reason. Uh, We should be talking about justice. We should be, uh, more than anything, trying to figure out how to functionally do justice. The the great requirement of Micah 6 is not um, that, that God requires us to tweet about justice or to Instagram about justice, That's not bad, that's not wrong, but that's not where it stops. It's to do justice, right? But I have found it helpful to place my anchor in Micah 6.8. Yes, justice. Yes, justice is overdue. Um, But also, while we're standing up for justice and while we're tweeting about justice and while we're trying to figure out how to do justice, let's also love kindness, love mercy. Let's also walk humbly with our God. I mean, what what would change if if just God's people said, yeah, we wanna do justice, we wanna love kindness and be people of loving kindness, and we wanna have a meek, humble, actual walk with God? I mean, Micah 6 eight should be on like pallet board in everyone's kitchen, right? I think we're past that phase, but you get the idea. Jesus is, of course, kindness incarnate. He is kindness walking around in sandals. That makes me happy to think about that. if you needed a good example of what it means to be kind to everyone, just study the accounts of Jesus and his interactions with people, how he treats his family, how he patiently teaches his disciples who seem to never get it like me, how he kneels next to the woman who's caught in adultery, Where is the man, by the way? The accusers forgot to bring both parties, which was required by law, but never mind, that's a whole other subject. Think of the kindness of Jesus while he's dying on the cross. He's having an evangelistic conversation with a thief dying next to him. He's praying for those who are killing him, mocking him, gambling for his clothes, and he's also arranging for the care of his mother Mary after his passing. I mean, kindness is literally bleeding from Christ on the cross. A word of clarification here, kindness is not the same thing as just being nice. Uh, It's possible to be nice to someone and withhold the truth from them, which is not kind, it is not loving, nor is that a merciful thing to do to someone. Sometimes when we settle for just being nice, at best, we're choosing to be cowards at our worst, we're choosing to be manipulative and controlling. Here's the deal. It's not hard to know what other people want to hear or feel. Being nice in our culture sometimes is just a matter of reading that and knowing how to be nice to them because we want them to like us or we don't want them to get upset or we need them to do something for us. And so we often use niceness as a way to either be a coward and step away from a difficult conversation or to be worse manipulative and to use phony kindness as a way to get something that we want. That is not kindness or loving kindness or mercy or the fruit of the spirit at all. And it should be said, should be noted. Now today, you may be hearing me and hearing me talk about this, this kind God and this Jesus whose um, kindness in, the, in, in sandals, and you may be far from God right now, and you may think, man, that, that's, that's the last thing that I feel and experience, and you may even think that God's stance towards you is one of harshness or even judgment against you, and I say, friend, nothing could be further from the truth. When God calls people back to relationship with him, he does it through his kindness. Romans two four says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Early on in my walk with the Lord, when I would pray for people who didn't know Jesus, i it's kind of silly to admit this, but I would pray that God would make them miserable. I'd be like, Lord, just ruin their life so that they'll have no choice but to turn to you. Like, make them desperate. And then I read how the disciples... They got upset when um, Samaria rejected them at one point and they wanted Jesus to call down fire from heaven and Jesus has to take them away. I said, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. We don't operate like that. And I realized, man, people don't come to know Jesus because of fire from heaven usually. Most of the time, as we see here in Romans, oh man, it's the kindness of God. It is the love of God, it is the mercy, it is the steadfastness of God. It is, as as Ephesians says, that because he's rich in mercy, he pours out his love on us. And so now when I pray for people in any situation, I simply say, God, will you just draw a circle around this person and then invade them with your kindness, invade them with your love, invade them with your blessing, make their life 10 times better right now. Um, draw them to you from your kindness. That meant, wouldn't you agree, it'd be much better to be drawn to the Lord because of his kindness instead of like a fist of Zeus or something. Titus 3 shares the gospel message in the same lens. It says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things he had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Friend, if if you're reading that and go, man, that's not my existence right now. I, I'm not sure if I have eternal life. I'm not sure if I've been made new, if I've been brought to life. If you want the mercy and kindness of God to be poured out on you. We'll put an email on the screen. We'd love for you to reach out to us, initiate a conversation, a relationship with us. And we'd love to just pray for you and pray for God's kindness, pray for his mercy to overwhelm your life. If you have any questions about that, we just wanna make ourselves available to you, but also encourage you to pay attention to the chesed, the mercy, the kindness, the loving kindness of God coming towards you in this season even in this worship service. Now, in order to put the rubber on the road and make this practical, um, while there are not like things you can do to just muster up kindness, what I've found is there are some good questions that we can ask ourselves to just kind of show us where we are in this and help us either repent and believe, confess, realize we're not being kind, um, or just get out of the way and let God do his thing? And they're just two simple questions. Man, they're, they're so convicting. The first would be, if I were Christ, or if you were Christ, what would you do for that person? Or fill in the blank, right? So so you're, you're putting yourself in Christ's shoes. If you were Christ, in whatever situation, what would you do? Who would you thank today? Who would... How would you treat your family and your close friends? How would you treat your neighbors, your coworkers, your boss, a stranger, a barista, a waitress, a waiter? Who would you show kindness to? Man, uh, one convicting thing on this is, you know, maybe you need to remember this in 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 a little more than a month around uh, Thanksgiving when you're around family and things turn political. Remember this question. If I were Christ, how would I show kindness to the weird uncle right now? I don't like that question. That's awful. That's super convicting. But this is how we can get super practical, right? The other question is, is an inverse of it, right? Um, not if you were Christ, but what if the other person, what if, what if the weird uncle um, at, at, the, at the dinner table with uh, eating too much pumpkin pie, what if he were Christ? What would you do for him? Or what if your neighbor was Christ? Or what if that homeless person was Christ? Or what if your boss was Christ? Or what if your spouse or your child was Christ? What if, you fill in the blank. People are already probably coming to you right now. If they were Christ, what would you do for them out of kindness? How would you sacrifice? How would you give to the other person? I don't like those questions at all. They're super convicting. And uh, I think, I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm, con, I'm convicted enough. I think this is the end of the sermon. I think we can stop right here. There's nothing more to say about this. So I'm gonna pray for me and because I need lots of this in my life. And uh, if it's you too, welcome you to join in on the prayer, jump on the bandwagon. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your convicting spirit. I thank you that I don't have to produce this. Because I can't, I've tried, I've failed. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Kindness incarnate, kindness walking around in sandals. Thank you that he is a kind shepherd who prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us because he's kind. Surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life. We give thanks to you for you are good. Your steadfast love, your loving kindness, your mercy endures forever. And I need it to endure right now in my life. And I know I've got friends and family listening, watching. They're right there with me. We're in this together they need more, not less, of your kindness produced. Holy Spirit, we say come. We give you permission. Where there is simply niceness, we give you permission to upgrade us from just being nice to being truly kind, to have loving kindness. Or if there's just tangible situations in our life in our ministry in our work in our families where we need to repent and believe the gospel and allow you to come and have more of your way to grow more of your loving kindness god help us to see it show us what i want kindness because i i think it would make life better i know kindness would make our world better kindness would make my family and my neighborhood and it'd make our church better. But Lord, I know more than anything that the world knows that we will be your disciples by how we love one another. And God, if anything, I pray you would make us kind, not for not just for our benefit, but for your glory. That that somehow your name would be lifted up by there being an exceptional kindness about your people, that you may be glorified, that that people may say, yes, they want the kingdom of heaven to come because of your kindness poured out through us. We just ask for more of it, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.